Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Who's ready for some football? Kind of in a transition period here. Actually, we've been kind of a dry spell. Thank goodness BYU's gone eight now. I know you Ute and Aggie fans don't want to hear that, but imagine doing a sports talk radio show. And since September 1st, there have been eight BYU football games. They went eight now. There have been three Utah State football games. They've gone 0 3, uh, kicked the quarterback off the team and fired the coach. And uh, RSL uh, went 2 8 and 2 over their last 12 games and backed out of the playoffs. All right. Those are our options. So to say that I'm looking forward to the start of the Utah football season, the Utah Jazz season, would be an understatement because we've just hit a lull in the BYU schedule. And maybe Tom Homo will add a game. But we've just hit a lull where there's one game in four weeks and it's North Alabama. An 0-3 FCS team. Which, as Hans Olsen so delicately put it, is... uh, 142nd against the pass in FCS football. <laughs> That's horrible. Horrible. Hopefully, we're going to have a lot of Utah football to talk about here. Hopefully, they're going to be able to put together a string of games. And I know PK is already worried about Arizona State's availability for that ASU game next weekend. It doesn't seem right that the Jazz would, the Jazz, that the Utes would miss three out of four games. But I'm sure in Houston, it doesn't seem right. They're missing their fifth game of the season. You really think that BYU being able to play, not just BYU being able to play, but all those BYU opponents being able to play has been uh, has been very fortunate. Uh, what, what are we down? Uh, we're, it's over a dozen games now, 15 games, and I don't know. By the time we get to kickoff on Saturday, we could be at 20. Who knows? Uh, a lot of games not being played. But we think the Utes are going to play. We expect them to play. The wide receivers, are they ready to make big plays? I thought the group made progress last year. If they make more progress this year, that Utah offense could be pretty good. Uh, Solomon Enos, meeting with the media. Let's listen in to his comments now. Solomon, what has the last two weeks been like? I mean, you guys are getting ready for games, and then on, on, on Friday of those weeks, they end up getting pulled from you. What has it been like emotionally and just around the locker room? Uh, I mean, the past two weeks has been a lot of hard work and uh you know, just consistent hard work, really. I mean, can't really do much about it. You just got to get ready for whatever game we play next. Uh, emotionally, I mean, just got to stay motivated and show the guys that uh, whatever comes our way, we can face it. And, uh, and, you know, I think we're doing a very good job right now. And, you know, just got to keep working hard every week and just whatever happens, happens. Next question will come to Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Solomon, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just to kind of follow up that question, at times like this, you know, you guys are grinding and then Friday comes and, you know, and a game gets taken away. At a time like this, how important is it to just kind of, you know, make sure that you're doing okay emotionally uh, um, and mentally also? I mean, that's all you can do. You know, you can't really stress about what you can't control. Uh, what you can control is your effort and what you put into practice every day and, you know, showing up. So at the end of the day, it hurts especially the day before the game when it gets canceled. But, you know, just come in the next week and just work the same way you did the week before and hope that it works out the rest of the week. Next question is from Ryan Costeco with SI.com. Hey, Solomon, how are you doing this morning? Good, how are you? Good, good. So just obviously, you know, what's it been like for you guys? You play USC on Saturday. Have you watched some of their games thus far? And do you think that maybe gives you an advantage, at least, you know, watch them knowing what they have? Started watching them last week when our game got canceled. Um, you know, they have a lot of talent, like usual. So what usually USC brings to the field. 
Um, you know, they're a solid team. And, you know, they have two games under their belt already. Um, it's going to be a good game. All I know is that we're going to be prepared and you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to get ready for this game. Next question is for Jeff Call from the Deseret News, followed by Josh Furlong with KSL. Yeah, how did uh, practice go for you guys yesterday? And what's kind of the mood of the team at this point? Uh, practice went well. You know, same same routine as always. You know, you come in and just you got to work. It's time to work, put in the work throughout the week, and hopefully we get a game at the end of the week. But the mood, I mean, I think everyone's pretty much locked in. And, you know, everyone's kind of tired of the games being canceled, but it doesn't really affect on how we prepare. Uh, we got USC this week. It's a big game, and I think everyone's ready for it. So everyone's been working hard, and yesterday was very, well, uh, very good. Next question is Josh Furlong. Hey, Solomon, obviously you guys had positive tests before the, the, you know, the two games were canceled and you know, I'm sure teammates had had to sit out for a while or whatever, but now, now that games have had to be canceled and, you know, there's a lot of players who did it. Is there, is there any sense of like um, renewed, uh, you know, vigor or something to, to kind of show that, you know, this is serious. We all have to be careful or, or what, what's kind of that mentality like knowing that, you know, it, it's all on each of you to be able to, to make sure that you're staying out of out of the way of, of the virus. Exactly. I mean, for me, especially, I take pride in, you know, just staying home, you know, protecting my guys because I wouldn't want to be the person to, you know, transmit to the rest of the team. But, you know, that's just our number one priority right now. I mean, football is, is such a big part of our lives, but at the end of the day, it's our health that really matters. So I'd rather make sure that everyone is healthy and, you know, we take care of each other and, and we're aware of what's going on and how we can uh, prevent the spread. Uh, you know, so ultimately we, ultimately we can play, but, you know, our health is first. And, uh, you know, like I said, I take pride in, you know, staying home, social distancing, uh, just doing what I can to play my part, you know, so we can eventually play on Saturdays. Following up on that real quick, you know, if if these things continue to happen where games get canceled, I mean, is is one game or two games even worth it for you to feel like, you know, the season or the practice was worth it or is – you know, like what, what would be success for you at this point? If the team's playing, I'm playing. Just bottom line. I don't want to be the guy that sits out because and the rest of the team is playing. Um, if they cancel the season as a whole, then all means they can do what they – I mean, they're the head people. They do what they want. But if my team is playing, then I'm going to play with them. There's Solomon Enos meeting with the media. The linebacking core, man, the recruiting's improved there. The play's improved there. It felt like the last piece of the puzzle for the defense to be really good. High expectations for Devin Lloyd. Everybody's expecting him to have a good year now. He's back to lead the group. Here's Devin Lloyd with the media. Hey Devin, a lot of this this lead up to the season, we've talked to you about kind of your leadership role. Now that you've had two games canceled, what, what do you feel like has been your role in this and in, in being able to help guys stay ready and knowing that obviously this is a frustrating time for you guys? Yeah, um, biggest thing is just emphasizing that um, we still got a game to play. Um, that's our mentality. Until they tell us otherwise, we still have a game to prepare for um, against a really good opponent in USC. So um, just getting guys to understand that um, there can be no fear or any doubt that, you know, that we're not going to play. You know, until that happens and that is confirmed, our mentality should be just uh, getting ready to dominate the next game. Our next question will come from Trevor Allen, followed by Ryan Costeca from SI.com. Devin, to, to kind of piggyback off of that, what what has it been like the last two weeks as you guys have been getting ready for games and then on Friday they're they're getting pulled from you? How, how, how has it been, you know, emotionally and also within the locker room? 
yeah, um, I mean, devastating. Just, I mean, it's really just like the worst thing that like can happen for you like as a football player, especially now more than ever, you know, I mean, we already knew our games were limited. Um, and then to, for it just to happen the way it did, you know, like the day before, you know, I mean, everybody's mentality is, oh, we're good, we're going. And then it's just taken away from us. You know, the game we love is taken away from us. It, I mean, it's definitely devastating, but um, at the same time, um, you got to take it with a grain of salt and you got to look at the bright side, um, and which is that we've gotten uh, tremendously better in the two weeks that we have been practicing. And, um, you know, we've gotten our uh, mental side of just preparing for teams the right way. We, we've done that right two weeks in a row. Um, so now we really feel comfortable with that. Um, and just, just overall, you got to just look at the bright side and understand that um, our time will come when we do play. And so, um, you know, we, we've just been preparing the right way and uh, just ready to just make it happen. Next, we'll go to Ryan Costeca, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Devin, how you doing this morning? Good, yourself? Good, good. So obviously you kind of touched on a little bit, you know, having your games canceled on Friday, the day before is somewhat heartbreaking. What's your confidence level going into this week? You know, obviously you guys had a good practice yesterday. Hopefully you guys are getting guys back healthy now. Is your confidence level higher, you know, maybe as of right now than it was say last Tuesday? Or even the previous season. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And um, the confidence it just goes up every day uh, with preparation, you know. So whether we have would have played those games or not, um, you know, the confidence level is definitely supposed to rise every day just because you're preparing more. You know, what I'm saying you have more days to get better and work on something that you may not have been as good at the day before. So um, confidence rising should just be um, a consistent thing. Um, you know, there's no sort of like, um, I guess you could say lack of confidence when it comes to uh, us missing those games. Yeah, Like, it sucked, yes, but it's not, um, you know, it doesn't, like, diminish anything that we've done in terms of our preparation or getting better or anything. Next up, Josh Newman, followed by Jeff Call of the Deseret News. Hey, Devin, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Um, you know, obviously you guys are grinding all week and these games are not happening, you know, at, at times like this, how important is it that you guys are looking after yourselves in terms of your mental and emotional state? Um, yeah, it's at an all time high. Um, I feel like, you know, guys on the team, um, this could really easily, uh, just get to them mentally, psychologically, um, it could put them in a state of depression. Um, but you have to look at it uh, from the positive side. And um, that's where um, leadership comes in um, a big play. But I feel like, you know, you just have to look at it um, from the positive side and understand that we will hit the field eventually. And um, this is just a little adversity, that's all. But um, more than anything, you got to understand that uh, we will have our opportunity to play. Next, we'll go to Jeff Call, Deseret News. Devin, what stands out to you about uh, this USC team, particularly the offense, uh, what you've seen their first two games of the season? Yeah, um, great playmakers uh, for as far as receivers down the field, athletic O-line, and then they have a very, very um, good quarterback who can get the ball to them and deliver it accurately all across the field. Um, they have a up-tempo offense, um, so they're going to try to spread us out. They're going to try to hit us with RPO. They're going to try to hit us with some shots downfield. So um, just like last year, it's going to be a test. And, um, you know, I think our guys are ready and uh, we're getting there, and um, you know, I'm just excited for the challenge. Our final question for Devin will come from Josh Furlong. 
Devin, obviously with the two games canceled, you know, you had, you were preparing for uh, two different types of opponents, but now you're going up against a team that's, you know, expected to win the South, expected to be one of the better teams in the PAC 12. How do you jump into a season knowing that you're, you're really going against probably the best in the South at this point? Yeah. Um, I, I look at it as um, exciting. You know I mean? I, you want to play because you want to play against the best. Um, I personally feel like, you know, all the preparation that we've been doing in the offseason, it's, you know, led us up to this point. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, 2020 coming back from this, this crazy year, why what better way to start off than going against the best team in the pack, uh, the, the best team in the pack or um, in the South, you know, two, two of the best teams, um, you know, in the pack. Uh, I mean, I just feel like it's a perfect perfect matchup um so i can't wait all right there is devin lloyd the utes getting ready to face usc and for more on usc stick around ryan abraham coming up later in this hour uscfootball.com he's built a a media empire there with uscfootball.com and we will talk to him about the Utes secondary versus usc's nfl receivers with an nfl quarterback throwing to him and uh interesting point he's been making though is that the o-line might be vulnerable and utah's defensive line might be able to disrupt that passing game one thing is both Arizona and Arizona State have run the ball on USC. Utah might be able to play a little keep away there. SC has given up 208 yards per game through the first two games on the ground. That is a horrific number. Uh, <laughs> why have they given up so many points uh, or so many yards? Uh, we'll get to that coming up with Ryan Abraham. We're going to take a break. When we come back, a little Cougar football before we get to Ryan Abraham and the Utah-USC game. Coming up next, BYU's offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Time to talk a little BYU football. We got uh, Ryan Abraham, USC football, coming Football.com coming up next for you Ute fans. Uh, for a moment on the Cougars, they're about to play their only game in a month here. Had a bye last week, have two buys coming up. Maybe it won't be one game in a month. Maybe they'll be able to add a game. Uh, I think if they're offered the opportunity, they have to take it. I know there's been a lot of talk about, well, why would Tom want to take it? Well, you're getting a lot of benefit for beating a lot of bad teams. You are thumping them. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, I think it was Monday, maybe it's Tuesday night. Monday or Tuesday night is on TV doing one of those college football shows ESPN does, The Road to the Playoff. I guess it was Tuesday. And he said, uh, hey, yeah, they're playing bad teams, but they're winning by an average score of 45 to 14. You're getting credit for having scheduled what everyone thought was a tough schedule, six power five teams. Now, none of those teams has a winning record right now. Utes haven't played. Arizona State's 0-1. The other four are combined 4-11. and uh, Stanford, Missouri, Michigan State, Minnesota all look like they have issues. I think BYU would have been favored in those games. Uh, ASU and Utah, we'd have to see more of them to know for sure, but I think BYU would have handled these other four teams. You're getting credit even though you didn't play them. But if you turn down a big game, all that's going to go away. I think it'll all go away. It'll be like, ah, oh, they, they beat up on nobody. They were offered a good game and they didn't take it. 
So I think if Tom's offered a game, he pretty much has to take it. Assuming that it's offered with enough time to prepare. You know, if someone calls you Friday at four and says, hey, do you want to play tomorrow? You can say no to that. How do you feel about a road game tomorrow? No, we don't even have time to get to the plane. We're not doing that. But if someone gives you a week, then, then you got to play the game. So it'll be interesting to see if that presents itself. Uh, assuming that it doesn't, I think what's got to happen here is you got to play your starters. And I know that makes some of you nervous. Don't play them. Don't get them hurt. But they had a good rhythm going. They were really, they had a good thing going. And, and you got to play to maintain that. And when you only have one game scheduled in four weeks, you got to play it. You know, Zach Wilson's got to play. I get the temptation to hold him out, but no way. You got to get him in there. Now, go in, score, you know, five touchdowns on five possessions, build a big lead, pull him at halftime, and let everybody else finish it up. I totally get that game plan. Is that how it'll work out? Well, we won't know for sure until Saturday, I guess. But here's BYU's offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, to handle questions like that. We've had a lot of your players, obviously, with the success this year, get accolades, get recognized. We've talked about a lot of them for different things that they've accomplished. I just wondered if, if there's somebody on this offense that you feel like has maybe been a, an unsung hero, maybe somebody who hasn't been as recognized that, that deserves more credit for, for what they're doing for your offense. Wow, that's a great question. Um, our quarterback, maybe? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think everybody's getting getting a lot of credit, and you know that's that's the way it goes when you when you win and you and when you get a lot of stats. I think um, you know Zach and the receivers um, are certainly worthy of all the credit they're getting. I think. Um, you know, Isaac and Mason have gotten plenty of credit. Um, you know, your mind often goes towards um, the offensive line, but those guys have, have gotten a lot of credit this year, and again, deservedly so. And so, you know, I, I don't know if there's any if there's any one guy that I can can think of there that that I would say is doing any any more than anyone else and not getting any credit for it. I, I think they've all gotten they've all gotten credit, and I think they. They're, they're all deserving of that. Let me ask specifically, just as far as the backup quarterbacks go, because we've seen Baylor, of course, in a few games, and I know Jaron's been dealing with injuries. How valuable has their contribution been? We just haven't talked about them as much because Zach has been playing so well. Yeah, I, I think, quite frankly, their, their value has been more um, – to us as coaches, <laughs> a security blanket, kind of like, kind of like having insurance on your car, and you don't have an accident for a year, and you say, "Well, you know, I spent all that money on that insurance, and it didn't pay off for me that year, but it sure did last year, right?" Um, and so, I, I, I think it's been a little bit more about um, how good we've felt as coaches, knowing that we have other guys that can go in the game and and play, and and obviously this year that's that's been mainly Baylor, uh, but. You know, we, we've got um, a bunch of quarterbacks that I feel really good about. And so I, it makes me feel confident going into a game that, that if, we, if we had to get to another guy, then we can still go out and run our offense. And it makes me feel good about moving ahead in the years to come, that, that we've got a pipeline of quarterbacks here, as, as BYU has had a number of times. All right, let's take questions from Jay Drew and then Mitch Harper. Yeah, uh, on the uh, red zone scoring and how well you guys have done this year, um, don't want you to give away your secrets or anything, because there's probably not a user manual or anything to kind of 
But did you go to any mentors or did you seek advice from any of your coaches in the business on how to kind of how to turn it around and do so well? No, I think it's just something that we as a staff really recognized we needed to spend a lot of time on. And, it, and it, honestly, Jay, it's not that we didn't last year. Um, I think I think more than anything, we're just in position where, you know, you find your I guess here's the, here's what I would say. Um, you find yourself in position in the red zone where um, you're dealing with tougher situations. And so it creates challenges because you don't have as much space to operate in, particularly in the passing game. And so it, it restricts the space that you have to throw the football because DBs don't have to backpedal and play as deep, play off of you as much. It also uh, constricts your running lanes because those, those same defenders can play closer and tighter to the box and you typically get more man coverage and more blitz looks down there. And so I guess I would think it, it's really honestly just kind of a microcosm of what we've done as an offense this year. We've played a lot better this year on offense in a lot of areas, and that's just another area that we've played a lot better. And while that that area of the field presents some challenges, any challenge also presents an opportunity. And, and our guys are – our playmakers have stepped up in those moments, whether it be Zach putting the ball right where it needs to be on time or a receiver going up and making a tough catch or or your, your center making a really difficult block against a nose guard when we need that block to provide a, a running lane in the A-gap. And just a follow-up, regarding Zach and the interest he's drawing even from the NFL, are scouts or GMs or, or anybody hitting you up or is that even allowed to talk about Zach and are they how often maybe are you approaching yeah the, yeah yeah the, those guys are beginning to talk to us and I would say you know uh Coach Roderick deals with more of those guys than I do, with him being the guy who spends 99% of the time with Zach and is his coach. And, again, I can't, I can't say enough about the job that he's done with him and all of our quarterbacks this year. Um, and then Kalani spends a lot of time talking to the NFL guys. Typically what I get are guys that know me that want to get a personal reference on him. But we're all, we're all certainly fielding those questions about Zach, as we are with, with other players this year. And, you know, we want to help all of our players who will have an opportunity to move on. And so we're certainly glad to, uh, to talk to any of those guys that have questions. Yeah, Jeff, uh, what attributes or characteristics would you use to, to describe this offense that's been so successful this year? Well, the thing that we've, that we've said to our offense all year long is that um, we want to be reliable and violent, those two words. And, and our kind of, our kind of uh, acronym, RVO, is something. And every time I start a meeting with the offense, that's up on the overhead. And, you know, I, I kind of used it as a, as a play on an, the acronym RPO and really used that to move into an explanation of the fact that, yes, we run RPOs. We also run uh, zone read. We also run wide zone and we run play action shots and throw the football down the field and we run quick game and we do a lot of the same things that a lot of teams do and if you watch football on on any given day and you watch college football games you see a lot of similar plays you lot of you see a lot of the same things being done the difference is which teams can 
do those things better, who can execute those things in a better way. And so it's really about how you run those plays. And we really felt like um, the strength of our team was one that we have players who can be both reliable meaning they can do the right thing consistently over a period of time, not have false starts, not turn the football over, don't have missed assignments, don't beat yourselves, so to speak. And at the same time, play with violence and aggression, whether that be um, double teaming a a big three technique out of the B gap or whether that be a running back running with violence and running over a safety to turn an eight-yard gain into a 15-yard gain or whether it's – Gunner or Dax blocking on the perimeter or going up and making a play or or Zach getting hit and popping up and acting like it doesn't bother him at all. I think that I've been around a lot of offenses who have one or the, or, or the other of those two things. They can be consistent, but they don't really play with violence and aggression. Or they can play tough and physical, but they can't keep from beating themselves because they turn the ball over or have foolish penalties. And so I think the combination of those two things and really being being able to rely on players who who um, are capable of playing that way has been the difference for us this year. And, and Jeff, in a lot of years since BYU's been an independent, once, once they get to the month of November, a lot of questions get asked about what are you guys playing for in a year where you're undefeated? What are the goals right now for this team this late in the season? Well, I think it's obvious that when you're when you're undefeated, you want to stay undefeated. And um, we don't talk about that a whole lot with our guys. But but I have talked with our offense a little bit about teams that I've been on where we were really playing for something late in the year. And and I have referenced the Auburn team that I was on and and how um, that team that I was a part of had individuals on it who had this competitive spirit about them and recognized that every week when you're undefeated every week, the game means a little bit more and they were willing to pay the price and work hard that week and earn the right to play well so that they could hang on to that, to that thing that they had, that hope of being in a great position at the end of the year. And so I have talked about that a little bit, maybe on a Monday where we're, where we're kind of talking about where we are as a team and what just happened in the previous game. But then we quickly flip to right after Monday's practice is over, I always remind them that game is over. And the only thing that matters now is this game at hand this week. And until we finish that game on Saturday, we don't ever talk about the season. We don't ever talk about being undefeated. We don't ever talk about um, any games down the road or any games behind us. We just talk about playing a one-week season. We're zero and zero right now in our minds because all that matters is how we play this week. And so, yeah, I think we are playing for something a little bit more. But the way you get to that something more is by playing great this week. And then last thing for me, Jeff, uh, you know, last week you guys probably had the opportunity to go on a little bit of the virtual recruiting trail, touch on that with a bye week. Uh, you know, what What areas maybe are some needs with signing day about a month out? Uh, what are some needs on, on the offensive side, on the recruiting trail that you and the staff are, are looking to, to add? Yeah, we're, we're in, a, in, a, in a really fortunate position right now where we don't need a lot of players. Um, we're not losing a lot, and in particular with, um, with this year granting guys another year of eligibility, it puts us in position where we'll be having a number of conversations with a bunch of guys at the end of this year. I say a bunch, not a bunch, a number of players, and 
finding out for sure who's moving forward and who's sticking around. Um, and we got a bunch of guys coming back off of missions. And so we're not in a position where we have a lot of needs. Um, but I think, you know, what you're always trying to do is, is upgrade your talent and replace a key guy at, at each position. Um, you're always looking to build your numbers in the offensive line. Um, and then you're always looking for a great skill player who can come in and add to your roster. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't answer your question by saying we have a particular need at any one spot. We're just trying to, to upgrade our talent level a little bit at each area and just replace the, the few guys that we will be losing. And we're, we're actually um, in pretty good shape with the number of guys we, we have committed right now. There's BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. When we come back, Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. He has built an empire, an online empire around USC football. He comes on our show fairly often. We thought it was time to have him back with Utah playing USC Saturday night. And he will break down some of the key matchups next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Zero Res. Put your best foot forward with the Zero Res cleaning before the holiday. Clean in November, make a food donation to Zero Res, and they'll clean a fourth room for free. Forwards or backwards, Zero Res is the right way to clean. Call them now at 801-288-9376. 801-288-9376. Time to bring in Ryan Abraham now. USCfootball.com. He's joined this show frequently over the years, and he is back because USC and Utah are scheduled to play Saturday. Now, having said that, we have 15 games called off, and Maryland, Michigan State, the latest one to be added to the list. But let's go ahead and assume they're going to play this game. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. That song got me fired up. A little football coming this weekend. So, how fired up are USC fans? Because I see the portion that are on Twitter, and they're angry. They're furious. These games have been too close. SC's messed around and been fortunate to win at the end, which is a sign that Clay Helton sucks and all is wrong with USC football. Twitter demands accountability. You nailed it. And that's the kind of way the fan base is, even on our message boards. And you wonder what percentage of the fan base that is, but it's definitely... A vocal percentage it's the passionate percentage people that really follow the team understand they look at the team oh they're 2-0 it's a pandemic year that's good well I mean Arizona doesn't look like they're a very good team and you're pretty lucky to beat them at the end obviously the Arizona State game they were a 99.9% chance of losing and they end up pulling out a miracle and it just doesn't seem like the problems from the years past have been fixed even though you've made a lot of changes outside of the head coach so yeah the fans are, are pretty upset and they're mostly upset, guys, that the, the hardest part of USC's schedule was basically lopped off. There's no Alabama, there's no Notre Dame, there's no Oregon, there's no Washington. So those were going to be opportunities for Clay Helton to kind of stub his toe. Now there's not as many opportunities to do that. This weekend is, is one of them, though. All right, Ryan. Uh, even though I worked at the Daily Breeze, lived in the South Bay for a decade, 
I'm a graduate of Arizona State, and if you think SC fans are furious, <laughs> you ought to see what we're going through. <laughs> but with that in mind, when I go to the gym, a lot of times I listen to uh, Phoenix Talk, uh, Sports Talk Radio. The uh, boss there used to be our boss here in Salt Lake. Anyway, I have an interest. So they had Jan. Uh, going into that game, the first game, and you were talking about how the receivers, the 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 core isn't very deep, and I thought to myself, so they only have four NFL receivers <laughs> instead of six, because <laughs> they sure looked really good to me these last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean losing Michael Pittman from last year, he was a leading receiver, but you knew guys like Armand Rossi Brown were were studs. Uh, Tyler Vaughn's has just been really steady. He could has a chance to set a bunch of USC passing records. And, you know, guys like Drake London were emerging, or Brew McCoy we hadn't seen yet. He was a you know former five-star. Um, and, and Drake London has just been the, probably the best player on the offense so far this year. So I wasn't really expecting that. I mean, he's catching short passes over the middle and just running through guys and making huge plays. So he's the one that caught the game winner against Arizona State, a fingertip catching traffic so he's been I mean USC might be 0-2 without him at wide receiver so I feel like it's not as deep like there's just not that many guys if a couple get hurt but you're right that the first three or four guys like I think they're all going to be playing in the NFL so it's you know they'll be testing a young uh, less experienced Utah secondary so that's definitely going to be something to watch. So Ryan, the uh, we have uh, ex college football players on from Utah, BYU, and Utah State, and the one thing they've all agreed on is that even though the Utes sent a bunch of NFL guys, uh, a bunch of D line guys to the NFL, they've got a bunch of D line guys who can still control the line of scrimmage, and they're going to go get Slovis. I mean, Slovis is thrown for seven hundred yards, a little over that. If if you let him stand there and throw it. To his NFL receivers, he's going to do it. So they're of the opinion that the Utah defensive line is going to keep Slovis off balance, under pressure, on the move, and and give that secondary a fighting chance. How much faith do you have in USC's O-line? Yeah, you know, that's been one of the big question marks coming into it. I think the tight ends have performed fairly poorly just for when, when they're on the field. But the offensive line, I don't think they've been fully – tested yet and this is going to be their toughest test of the season because Utah just keeps cranking these guys out uh, you remember when like Stevie Tuikulavatu transferred to USC he was a star for USC he was like a third string guy at Utah so they've definitely put out tons of defensive linemen and it looks like that you know the they're going to still have a great rotation with a lot of athletic guys that can really get after the quarterback and I think that's going to be the biggest issue for for Keaton Slovis is really trying to get the protection he needs. Elijah Vera Tucker, they moved him out to left tackle. He's been an absolute stud. He's going to be another first-round draft pick for USC. But outside of that, there's been a lot of question marks, and there's been some blown assignments. Um, you know, We've seen some mistakes being made that really have blown up plays in the backfield. So, yeah, I, I like the matchup with the USC's receivers against the secondary, but can Slovis get there? He likes to get you know, rid of the ball quickly, but I think there's going to be a lot more pressure in this game on him. So how he handles that, can he take off and run and pick up some yards, whatever he needs to do, because I do feel like the Utah defensive front is going to give a lot of problems to the the USC offensive line. 
So during the Arizona game, you had analyst Joel Klatt talking about Slovis, and he said something's off here. Now he did go in and lead him to that game-winning touchdown down at the end. And afterward, it was addressed, uh, at least it was brought up, what's going on, is there something wrong with his arm, his shoulder, or what have you. And he, Slovis and, and Helton, if I remember correctly, were talking about, well, it was mechanical issues. They'll get those things straightened out. Is it deeper than that? It, we call it arm gate because it's weird. I asked Graham Harrell after the first game because I thought I, I saw that against Arizona State, and he said, well, I'm up in the press box. I didn't really notice the ball's fluttering. I'm, I'm way up near the moon. It's hard to see. I'm like, well, we can see it on television. Like, there's no way the offensive coordinator wouldn't know. So it happens again against Arizona, and now everyone's asking the question. Keaton Slovis brought up mechanical issues. Uh, Clay Hilton said that the balls were kind of slick. It was windy, even though there was no wind in Tucson from all the reporters that were there. Um, and, and then Graham Harrell came out on Tuesday this week and said, I don't know what Keaton's talking about. It wasn't mechanical. He thought that he maybe threw a bad ball, slipped out of his hands, and then it was in his head the rest of the way. But Clay Hilton has doubled down or tripled down and said he looked great in practice this week. It, it was just a one-time thing, even though this, we, I've seen it for two weeks in a row. But he said it's not going to be an issue uh, going in this week, and you're not going to have to talk about it again. So we'll see. But you know, thinking about it, a, a, you know, an altitude environment where it's going to be cold at night, like that seems like a good opportunity where balls could slip out of your hand a little bit. So it's going to be something to watch. He's still been accurate. He's still like 70% as a passer, and he's doing really well. But they just haven't looked as crisp. So it's definitely going to be something to watch. So I would watch for that and see if his balls flutter a little bit. It's been happening, but he's still been very effective. So on the other side of the football, uh, USC has given up uh, 57 points in two games. That seems like a little bigger number than your average head coach and defensive coordinator would prefer. What is the? Are there multiple problems? And if so, what is the number one problem? Yeah, we got to talk to Todd Orlando, the new uh, defensive coordinator, and you know he's he's admitting that there's issues, that there's a work in progress going on, and you know kind of alluded to they just haven't had that many weeks together to to look like a cohesive defense. It just seems like if you watch them, they're kind of slow to the ball sometimes. There's some bad angles. I do love the way the defensive line is playing in Marlon Tuipolochu is leading the team in tackles from a nose tackle spot, which maybe that's a bad sign, but he's really been good. The safeties, Talanova Funga and Isaiah Polamau, I think they've played really well. And even the corners, there have been some penalties, but uh, you know Elijah Griffin and Chris Steele, I think they've been solid back there that the deficiencies I think have mostly been at linebacker and you have a former five-star Pellier Ote that just has you know he's got banged up a little bit he's in concussion protocol but him and Raylan Goforth and the guys that they've used in the inside linebacker spots just haven't been making the same kind of you know the same amount of plays that the first game against Arizona State your inside linebackers had one solo tackle total and that's just not going to cut it you know you need those guys making plays and Todd Orlando's a linebacker guy so I really thought we'd see a step up there from that group. So it's from what he's saying, it's still a work in progress and they're working on things, but I'm just not seeing them flying around to the football. And it's more of a kind of reading and figuring out what's going on. And then they look a little bit slow. So you could tell from talking to Todd Orlando that he's a little frustrated with that. And we'll see if they have any new wrinkles coming in this weekend. But I think Utah's going to test them, especially the linebackers. So I think they're going to run the football quite a bit. And uh, I think it's going to be a, you know, a good test for these guys to, to see how, you know, how they can hold up against a good offensive line and a good running game. So you speak of the inside linebackers. I think they've got to probably be pleased with number 99 on the outside, Drake Jackson. 
He's been a yeah. Is just a star for USC? He picked up two big sacks against Arizona late in the game, and he missed most of the first half. He had to go get an IV. There were some dehydration things going on, and he was a big contributor in the first game against Arizona State, but just didn't have the stat line. He picked up the stat line uh, in game two, and I think for this defense to roll. Uh, it, it, he's going to need to play a, a big part of that, uh, just getting after the quarterback. He's They'll drop him back a little bit, but he's mostly, you know, they call him like the, the B-back or whatever, but he's mostly going to be hand on the ground at the line of scrimmage, kind of getting after the quarterback and supporting the run. But they will have some when there's these different zone reads and things like uh, zone coverages, they'll, he'll drop back. But for the most part, he's still like a you know defensive line. But he's lost like 30 pounds in the offseason. That was a little bit of concern after he didn't get a lot of stats in game one, but he still looks like the, the same Drake Jackson we saw last year, and uh, that's a good thing for USC. When Kyle Winningham looks at the stats, which obviously he did a while ago, but when he did look at the stats, and he saw that USC was giving up on average 208 yards a game on the ground, uh, man, he, he's going to want run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Does that... Um, you know, the theory is you run the ball, you keep the other team off the field, and they're out of sync offensively. Does SC seem vulnerable to that at all? Or is there basically an NFL quarterback and NFL receiver sitting over there like, whenever you let us back on the field, we're, we're just going to start throwing passes and 15 yards a pop right down the field? Unless we no, break I a big one. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. USC is vulnerable to that. There's... Uh, Clay Hilton has a you know one of his cliches. He likes to talk about situational mastery and you know being the master of these different situations. It kind of makes uh, the USC fans base the, their skin crawl when they hear it. He's talked about it all the time. But there have been bad situations where it's if the you know the defense forces a turnover and the offense isn't able to take advantage, or the offense gets a quick score and then the defense gives up a really long drive. They just the situations haven't worked out where both sides are kind of helping each other and if you are able to have a sustained drive and you keep the offense off the field I think you can get uh, that offense out of rhythm and we've seen Jaden Daniels very mobile quarterback ran all over the USC defense in the Arizona State game but Grant Cannell is a you know pocket passer uh, strong arm guy and he was really effective I think he had six first down runs in, in the game against USC so it's not just you know the the running backs, which you know Utah's got a good stable there, even you know after missing Zach Moss. But either quarterback, whoever, I don't think they've named a starter yet. I think you know, even though they're not the most mobile guys, they're not Tyler Huntley from last year. I think they can be really effective uh, moving the ball with their legs. If the play breaks down, uh, you know, is USC going to use some kind of spy or whatever? They started doing that in the second half, but. Arizona was very effective with a pocket passer running the ball uh, out of the quarterback position. So I think that's definitely going to be something to watch. And if you can, you know, you chew up some time and you get a lead and you can sit on it for a while, we saw USC struggle. And they've been great at the end of games, and they've, they've put it together when it counts. But that's give, that gives you your best shot to win the game. You get a lead early and don't let them kind of go crazy and get a lot of momentum on offense when they can, you know, because they have all that firepower. So with Harold calling the shots on offense, is this what we're going to see consistently the rest of the season? Is that the run bases basically is augmenting the pass rather than the other way around? Yeah, you know they talked. Clay Hilton talked about he wants to see uh, USC be able to run the ball for like 165, 170 yards, and the reasoning was some of the prolific passing offenses from last year, like LSU and, and Alabama, were doing that, and they got that. They got 170 something yards against Arizona, but it just doesn't seem like that's you know, it, it's like, oh, you got there was a magic number you needed to get to. They talk about it, but they're still throwing the ball. Uh, I think like sixty percent or a little bit more. And uh, you know, one of the 
more passing uh you know, happy teams in the country right now. And I, they've talked about, they've talked about they want to run the football more. And I think their running backs have played well. Stephen Carr's a former five-star who just the last two years haven't looked the same after he had a back injury. He's apparently, you know, added five inches to his vertical leap. He looks a lot more explosive out there. And Marquis Step is a powerful back. But they've had a lot of third and shorts, fourth and shorts stopped in the first two games. And that's, you know, people are pointing at the offensive line. People are pointing at the scheme that you're, you know, fourth and inches and you're in the shotgun, what are you doing? Um, so there's been a lot of questions about that. So that's going to be something to watch. I think they've got they've been able to run effectively, but can they run when you expect them to run? It's third and two. Are they going to be able to pick up those two yards? Um, so I think that's something that you want to watch for. But you're, you're right. It's it's more of a it's good offense that's going to lean on the pass, even though they've talked about really wanting to be, uh, you know, have more run involved in it. The shotgun at the one-yard line always drives me nuts. And it happens all the time, but I digress. Um, It seems like the thing that has helped USC run the ball, uh, because they do predominantly throw it, but averaging 85 snaps a game, that seems like a really high number. Do you expect them to sustain that? 85 snaps is a ton. It's a ton. They had a lot more against Arizona State, uh, and that's kind of like skewing the other. It was more like, I guess, normal uh, against Arizona, but Arizona kind of controlled the ball uh, a little bit more. It's They would like to do that, and they'll run some tempo, but it's not really a tempo kind of team. They've, they've shot themselves in the foot sometimes. You know, you get a big play, and you try to get up to the line of scrimmage and run a tempo play. They did that at third and goal at the one. Uh, they get down to the one-yard line, and they rush up to the line of scrimmage, and the, the tight end moves, and now it's third and five or third and six. And then they get a de- delay of game, and it was third and 11. So they go from third and one at the you know one-yard line to third and 11, and they miss the field goal. So there have been some empty trips like that when they've tried to go fast. But I feel like they do they would like to get more plays in. And because they have a lot of playmakers, it just gives you uh, more opportunities. And they're going to get you know some choke yards in the passing game. And I feel like – they need to run more of those plays, you know, to get more plays, so they can work in the run and and get that, you know, get those averages up. When they when they kind of just rely on the pass, there's a lot of criticism there, and they, but that's kind of what they do. That's kind of who they are. So they get more plays like that. They know they can mix in some more runs and sort of kind of keep people happy. But that's I think that's when it's going to be the most effective offense when you're seeing that many plays. I just don't know if they can sustain that, you know, especially against a, a tough defensive front like Utah. I wanted to touch on a little bit of recruiting here, particularly the quarterback position. I know they've got commitments from, or at least they had, maybe they haven't kept them, uh, two kids, and then they offered, we got a stud here at Corner Canyon that's uh, thrown for eight zillion yards and all that, and they'd offered him. How many quarterbacks did they normally offer and take commitments from? They're kind of in a rough spot right now because of the way um, the, you know, the last couple recruiting cycles have gone. I mean, they had... Uh, you know, Bryce Young, who was you know one of the top quarterbacks in the country, committed for a very long time. He flips at the last minute and goes to uh, Alabama. You know, Jack Sears transferred out of the program, and you know we saw him up at Boise State. Now, JT Daniels transferred out of the program. He's potentially potentially going to start this weekend for Georgia. Um, so they only have two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster right now: Keaton Slovis and, and Matt Fink, who you know can't had to play against Utah last year and they had a, a walk-on transfer from 
uh, Vanderbilt, who played some games in the SEC, that they were he's going to be a third string guy, and he's out with an injury. So they just don't have a lot there. They got Jake Garcia and Miller Moss, a couple of four star, you know, uh, drop back quarterbacks that they have committed for the class of, of 2021, and they're still recruiting some guys there and, and other guys in, in 2022. But it's just hard to keep that pipeline full when guys are, are transferring out, and you know they've. You usually get that five-star guy at USC every other year or so, and Bryce Young bailed out. They didn't get a quarterback in the last class. So they've had some numbers issues there, and when guys are transferring out, now what are you going to do? So they need to bring in at least two for 2021, and they got to keep, the, you know, keep that going. But, yeah, right now, and we don't know. I mean, the, we, the dead period lasted the whole year. There's no visit. So, I mean, these, I feel really bad for the guys in, in 2021. The quarterbacks usually know they've been around the campus and stuff, and they know the program. But if they keep both of those guys, and Jake Garcia, one of them, had actually moved to Georgia so he could play high school football there, they should be okay. But if not, then you're kind of scrambling again for for finding a quarterback. But right now, with only two scholarship quarterbacks, they need to bring in as many guys as they can. Moved to Georgia so he could play high school football. I thought it was crazy when I heard people were moving to Utah to play high school football, and a lot of kids did that. <laughs> I can't imagine going to my parents, but you know that was a different era, so whatever. Yeah, PK, can, can you imagine transfer. going to your parents and saying, "Hey, we got to move here so I can play high school baseball"? <laughs> yeah, but in California, he transferred to three different high schools as it was before even going to Georgia. So he's used to it. He's already in the transfer pipeline. <laughs> Well, Ryan, uh, before we let you go, uh, are you expecting SC to come out of this game 3-0, and the advantage of having two conference games uh, under their belt? You know, the, the, the home team has won but with the last seven times in this series. It's going to be altitude, and we've seen Kyle Willingham really play well in the, the openers. But I just feel like there's a – you know, I watch Cal, who I like, and they look terrible against UCLA, and that was their first game. You know, USC having two warm-up games you know, for this one – I just think that's going to be a pretty big advantage. And we don't know. I mean, there could be guys that are you know, key contributors that are out. We just don't know for the Utah roster right now. So I think USC is going to be 3-0 and in this one. But obviously, I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, if Utah gets the, the win here. But I think just the, the advantage of already playing two games might be a little too much to overcome. Ryan, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. There's Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. It's an online empire right there. If you're a USC fan, whether you're in Southern California or anywhere else in the country, uh, you're checking in with him to see what's going on at USC. They are the unhappiest 2-0 fan base in the country. We always talk about the best 0-3 team in the country. Well, they are the unhappiest 2-0 fan base. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.